Shalom, shalom, friends. It's so great to be here with Robert Bank, the president and CEO of American Jewish World Service, known as AJWS, the world's leading Jewish organization working to end poverty and promote human rights in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Caribbean. Robert joined AJWS in 2009 as its executive vice president. I remember very clearly I was very involved to both grow and deepen the organization's impact in championing the rights of the world's poorest and most oppressed people. As a human rights attorney, activist, and experienced organizational leader, Robert has dedicated his professional life to fighting for the rights of women, people of color, immigrants, LGBT people, and people living with HIV AIDS. Prior to joining AJWS, he served in New York's municipal government in the leadership of GMHC, one of the leading organizations in the world engaged in combating HIV AIDS. In 2008, he played an instrumental role in the campaign to overturn the ban on HIV positive people entering the US and becoming US citizens. Robert has received a Wasserstein Public Interest Fellowship from Harvard Law School, and his leadership has been recognized with the Lifetime Achievement Award from Gay Men's Health Crisis and the Partners in Justice Award from Avodah, the Jewish Service Corps. He is an advisor to The Conversation, Jewish in America, and he is on the board of Leading Edge, Alliance for Excellence in Jewish Leadership. Born in South Africa, Robert's commitment to social justice is rooted in his experience of growing up under apartheid, witnessing its daily cruelties and understanding its roots in racism and oppression. He was deeply influenced by members of his family and other indefatigable uh, activists, many of them Jewish, who fought for justice in the anti-apartheid movement. His Jewish identity was also shaped by the Jewish day schools he attended in Cape Town and by the values and history of his grandparents who had fled anti-Semitism in Europe. Robert immigrated to the US as a young man to avoid serving in the South African army in defense of the apartheid government and to follow one of his passions, music. He studied at the Juilliard School, each earning bachelor's and master's degrees while performing in New York City's most underserved schools as a teaching artist at Lincoln Center Institute, Robert came to understand more, more fully the economic and racial divides in American life. This inspired him to follow another lifelong passion, working for justice and dignity for all. He earned a law degree from the City University of New York Law School and then pursued an advocacy, a career in advocacy and organizational leadership defending civil rights for vulnerable minorities, both in New York City, around the world. I, I said all of this and I could say so much oh more God. because because we should know who Robert Bank is. Everyone knows, but if you're in our modern Orthodox social justice world, it's very important to know this great leader we have here and to know what AJWS is. Their core strategies is a two-pronged strategy, actually, for building a more just and equitable world. AJWS invests more than $35 million annually in their grant-making and social change strategies, supporting more than 500 social justice organizations in 18 countries in Africa, Asia, Latin America, and the Caribbean, and at the same time advocating for for laws and policies in the US that will improve the lives of millions of people around the world. They do this by leading campaigns for human rights and by building relationships with Jewish leaders, elected officials, and other supporters of human rights to promote justice and equality in developing countries with these central issues, humanitarian disaster response, civil and political rights, US advocacy, land, water, and climate justice, sexual health and rights, ending child marriage. I only scratched the surface on who Robert Bank is and what AJWS is, but I wanted to say all that so we have a, a more full picture. Robert, thanks for taking time to talk. Shmuley, Rabbi Shmuley, it is wonderful, wonderful to be with you. 
and wonderful to see you. Is the sound good? I'm feeling it's a little bit, I'm getting a little bit of back Wonderful. Noise. It sounds great over here. It sounds great. Okay, great. So talk to us a little bit, you know, um, talk to us a little bit about how, where in your Judaism, in your Jewish story, you got so inspired to be such a tireless advocate. I know how hard this work is and you were at the forefront every day. Where did this come from for you and your Jewish story and values? Well, thanks, Shmuley. And let me start by saying um, what a great admirer I am of you and everything that you've done and Uri Litzedek and everything you are leading and the partnership we all have, those of us who are working every day towards justice. So I want to thank you for that. I want to say that my, um, my fundamental foundational beginning in, to the world of justice started as a kid when I was living in Cape Town, South Africa, because basically I saw injustice all around me, all of the time. And it was instilled into me by my parents and my grandparents that I was surrounded by injustice and that it was important for us to do something about it. It was also instilled into me in my Jewish values that I was learning at my Jewish day school. From the very, very beginning, you know, I went to a um, Jewish day school that was very uh, impacted by um, everything post Second World War. My um, junior high school was called the Weitzman School and my, my high school was called the Herzliya School. So we were named after two sort of leading figures in Jewish history. And we had a motto at the school and we were taught it very young, which was um, the Hillel, if I am not for myself, who will be for me? If I'm only for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? And we were taught this very young. And I remember thinking how apt that was based on what I was seeing around me. So that, those were very foundational issues. And then I also had a very um, powerful activist in my family, um, my cousin, who um, passed away actually right at the beginning of COVID um, two years ago. And um, his name was Dennis Goldberg. And Dennis Goldberg was one of the leading Jewish South African activists fighting against apartheid. He was tried together with Nelson Mandela in 1964 and incarcerated, sent to prison for life, convicted um, by the South African government um, apparatus. So there were a lot of instrumental issues for me that led me to order <laughs> Being in social justice. You know, uh, that's, that, that's so inspiring. And I know it only scratches the surface. I was so privileged to be involved in AGWS on so many levels. I was a student um, as, as a college student, as a rabbinical student, um, and then as staff and as an educator and, and, and uh, on various levels in El Salvador and Guatemala in, in multiple times in Thailand, in Senegal, in Ghana, I got to see firsthand the types of NGOs you're supporting and working with. And it really changed my life um, in ways that uh, I can't even begin to explain. And, and one of the questions I have for you is, how do we wake people up? Everyone knows that global poverty and the connected issues are a major problem. Um, and yet so few truly get involved um, and roll up their sleeves and dedicate themselves to it. Um, what do you think are the most effective strategies for us to really get this on the radar and keep it on the radar of the American Jewish community? Yeah, thanks for that question. I think it's a really good one, Shmuley. I think it's particularly good as we speak to one another in January, 2022, right? Because so many folks, particularly um, now, are so overwhelmed, right? 
And um, one of my great teachers, who I know is one of your great teachers, who I happen to know, I think, was one of the people who married you, Ruth Messenger, would often say, we cannot retreat to the convenience of being overwhelmed, right? We cannot retreat. But the truth of the matter is that we do. We do. We are human. There's so much going on in our lives. It's difficult for us to manage our own lives, right? Let alone for us to sort of be concerned about people halfway across the world. And let alone for us sometimes to be even concerned about people right in front of us on our doorstep. So what is it? What is that magic, right? How do we invite people into the, I'm going to say the enthusiasm that you share, right? For doing social justice work. And by that, what I mean is trying to do what I would say, and it's, I'm not the first person to talk about it, but you know, this idea of radical empathy. What does it mean to truly empathize with people that you don't know? And I do think this goes back to Jewish values and it goes back to Torah and it goes back to what we were talking about, right? Which is Torah in action. And I think it goes back to sort of the obligation that we were given in Torah. And if we are really living our Jewish values, that it's not only the services we attend, but the services we do, right? And I think those are both critically important. And so I think we can learn from Torah, right, about this moral obligation that we are taught, whether it's the 36 times that caring for the stranger is mentioned, whether it is um, tzedek tzedek tirdof, right, in Deuteronomy, which I always say is like the core business of the Jews. Tzedek tzedek tirdof, it's said twice. So, um, but I think there's a bigger question, right? We know about some of those moral obligations. We know what Torah tells us. The question is, how do we imbibe it? How do we inculcate it? How do we internalize it? And what is that? And I actually think I have a sort of theory about this. Um, and I know you do too, because I see it in your posts. I see it in your life. I see what you're trying to and do inculcate in your children. I just saw a lovely post of your son sitting, you know, doing something lovely with um, homeless people, you know, and, and, and asking questions about it. So I think if we're not also lucky to like have a father like Rabbi Shmuley Yankalovich, who's teaching us this all the time, right? I think the idea is to sort of break this down into smaller pieces and to really think about what kindness is it that we can do every day. And I think we can start locally and then we can understand the difference between service and then we can understand the difference between doing something ourselves with our own hands and helping someone or sadaka. And then we can become activists, right? We can really put our sort of the proverbial money where our mouth is, but more about our voice. You know, I love the word advocate because it really comes from a calling, you know, calling us to stand up for others and to really look at root causes as systemic problems. And that's what AJWS's key strategy is, right? Looking at systemic problems, root cause change, so that we're not only changing the life of one person, but we're changing the life of millions of people because we're looking at what's at the bottom root cause of why people are living in poverty, why women are discriminated against, et cetera. So powerful, so powerful. So let, let me ask you a bad question. It's a bad question because I, I, I disagree with it strongly, but I think it's important to articulate. Bring it on. Robert, there's so much to do here in America. We've got voting rights, we've got racial injustice, we've got 
We've got immigrants at the border and asylum seekers. We've got a rising culture of hate and anti-Semitism and Islamophobia and, and racism and 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 um, uh, and, uh, and homophobia and fill in the blank. We have so much to do right here. Why should we, as Americans, as Jews, care about other? I mean, I mean, invest in in problems in other side of the world before we address the problems here. Well, the first most obvious question is that we were those people, right? <laughs> so we were those people living on the other side of the world. Like we didn't, there are very few people who, um, and unfortunately very few people who are indigenous to the United States. So um, left, but um, still very vibrant and alive. But um, we all are immigrants, except for very few people um, who were here originally. And then, you know, we can talk about that some other time about, uh, what happened to those uh, many of those people however so we know what it's like to be the stranger we know what it's like to be the refugee so we must have this radical empathy that's number one right second we are interdependent and there's no better teacher of that than this global pandemic that we're living through i mean still right now you know we we're we're either in or coming out of the omicron phase but we know that that virus was first detected in South Africa, actually my home country. And, you know, viruses don't know borders, you know, nor does climate change. And um, so we haven't, I think, you know, I was born not in America. I'm fortunate to be um, a part of America now as an American citizen. America took me in as an immigrant. And so um, I think there's the fact that we know we are all from somewhere else, you know, number two. Uh, we are all interdependent and dependent on one another for survival. And number three, uh, we are all human beings. <laughs> so um, it doesn't matter where, and I think there's a lot of Torah about this, right? Who do we care for first? Um, you know, we might want to care for first the people in our family closest to us. There's something called the universe of obligation that I know you've taught and that we teach at AWS, which is about to whom do we have the obligation to be responsible for and care for. And in my worldview, it's for the entire globe. Now, is it important to do the work in the United States today? Absolutely, 100%. Um, but I'm a believer in abundance, right? I believe that we can hold more than one cause. Um, I also believe that we can do a lot of work as we do at AJWS with the United States government to change the world for others who are living in the global south. And I don't mean that from a like all superpower hero, um, American Jewish, no, I can say that about the American Jewish World Service maybe, just kidding, but about the United States government. Um, but I do believe that the United States government still has um, outsized power to exercise its leadership around human rights for others around the world. And that's what we try to exercise with our power, with our partnership, with those who advocate to the United States on behalf of the grantee partners we support, the many rabbis that we are engaged with, over a thousand rabbis, many of your listeners, I hope, are engaged with us. And I invite them to be, to learn more about what we do and the possibilities for doing advocacy at the United States level as important, powerful influences who have a voice because of the privilege that you all hold as being part of the rabbinical community. Yeah, so well said. And for us to really reflect on just one of your many important points there around our interdependence, our interconnectedness in an internet age, tragically in a pandemic age, 
Um, but also we see how contagious things are, not only the pandemic, um, you know, the virus, but we see democracies in certain regions fall and other ones fall at, at a similar, at, you know, um, uh, in, the, in a similar region. But so too, we see of these 500 social justice organizations in 18 countries you fund, that that inspiration trickles out also. And so we are in this world all together. Just one last question for you. You know, there's so many crises in the world. I don't know how you have a heart and soul big enough to hold it all. And I know you do. And it's an inspiration to me. And Elie Wiesel famously said, wherever there is the most suffering, that becomes the center of the world. And so where should our center of the world be right now? We have to address all this. But if you can put on our radar a few of what you think are the greatest cases of economic instability or of turmoil that you think among all the problems in particular we should have on our radar right now? Thank you, Shuli. That's such a great uh, question. I, 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 I mixed you up there for a second, you know, Ruth married you, Shuli Passau married my, oh, yes. my husband, so I'm going Shuli. <laughs> um, good names both, um, good <laughs> rabbis both. Um, anyway, um, listen, I love that Elie Wiesel quote, right? because I think it's, he said it at when he got the Nobel Prize. Um, it's one of my favorites. And because I think it's a challenge to us. It's the challenge that you're asking me to answer, which is there are so many, it's, it's what you first asked me, right? There is so much injustice in the world, where do we start? Well, um, I'm gonna point us to two places right now. The first is because I think these are so intrinsically connected to who we are as Jewish people. The first is the plight of the Rohingya people living both in Burma, Myanmar, as refugees in one of the largest refugee camps in the world in Bangladesh, and also in exile all over the world. And this is a deeply discriminated against group of people who have been pushed out of their home country and have been rendered stateless, stripped of all of their rights, and a genocide has been committed against them. And that is today in 2022. And so we at AJWS are doing everything we can on every level to support them inside of Myanmar, Burma, inside the refugee camps with outstanding leaders. You know what always amazes me, Shirley, is um, there, I did it again, Shmuley, is that in the most dire circumstances, and this is also true about our Jewish history, right? I mean, we know this from the Shoah, from the Holocaust, in the most dire circumstances, they are always amazing leaders. And so we are supporting incredible leaders in those places. We are also working with our group of rabbis and over 70 Jewish organizations who have agreed to be part of something called the Jewish Rohingya Justice Network which works to advocate to the United States to sanction the Burmese military, to hold them accountable and to transition to a place of justice. So that's one that I would mention. The second right now that really rises to the top for me, and of course there are so many, is the plight of the people living in Central America in Nicaragua, a country that is in the middle of oppressing its people in such a brutal way under the regime of Daniel Ortega. And many of the activists that AJW has, has been supporting for many years are being subject to persecution and oppression as they are fighting to create a free society. So I would lift those to the top. There are many more, of course. 
but I'm feeling particularly passionately connected to them at this particular time. Friends, um, we hope you will do everything you can to donate to AJWS to support this, this incre incredibly important work, to advocate with them, to get on their mailing list, to be involved and informed as Jews and as global citizens, and particularly to our Orthodox friends for us to move out of our parochialism um, and out of the Beit Midrash and really join uh, hands with our, our broader Jewish community and our broader advocate community to do this work all together. Robert, thank you so much. We wish you so many blessings for good health and strength and continued success in this amazing work you're doing. Thank you, Shmuley, and right back to you and everyone in your community because you are doing incredible work and you inspire me with your incredible tenacity, resilience, and enthusiasm. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.